Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 53. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing by House Flip Masters. I'm your host, Holly McCann, and I have a really cool guest today. I have admired this guy for a couple of years that I've known him. I've seen him hanging around, um, in particular, as one investment club that I'm a part of called Invest Club, based in Orange County. And this guy just has such a great story, and I was so excited to bring him on today for him to share um, kind of the story of his success and his journey and, and share some of his cool deals and things he's got going on. So he's been he quit his job. He was just saying that it's this anniversary this week of three years ago that he quit his job and went real estate investing full time. So that's super cool. So with that, welcome to the show, Tim Gordon. Thanks for having me on, Molly. Oh, so glad to have you. Well, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a background and your journey and what you did before real estate investing and how you kind of transitioned out? Sure. Um, I've basically, I think since I've been like a teenager, I've worked. So it's just been you know, any kind of like teenager jobs from like a, my most favorite job ever, which was the garden shop at Kmart in high school. <laughs> I love that. Or it was just so peaceful. And then uh, I've done sales at like tire stores. And then I worked in the automotive industry and then had my window tinting business through college, which was my first foray into entrepreneurship. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I kind of got hooked then I would say. Um, after that, I entered the corporate world, got into sales, uh, was a territory manager for a company that made window tent for uh, about six years. So I came to California in 2008, right when uh, the economy was tanking and everything was you know, going bad out here. And after three years at that company, I was getting a little impatient with my career path and could see that it wasn't really going to be something that was very fulfilling long-term. And a girl I was dating introduced me to real estate investing and we didn't work out, but after we broke up, I started hitting all the investment clubs and then that led me into wholesaling to owning properties. And now I flip and here I am today. We're you know, doing real estate full time. That's awesome. I love that. So that was maybe the best relationship of your life, not because of the person, but where it led, huh? <laughs> the, it was just funny. It was, it was a really good experience because it taught me that uh, certain things, you, I think I had a, a belief system that said I couldn't do certain things or that I was in a certain category or class system. And it was interesting just to hang out with somebody and realize that a lot of that was just mindset. And uh, if you're willing to make certain adjustments, then they kind of allow you to do those things over time. And so, uh, yeah, it was very meaningful for that reason. That's awesome. I love it. Well, take us back to like um, when you started learning about real estate investing and how did you start? Did you start out with wholesaling and, and how did you do that? It started out with bigger pockets and okay. uh, that website was still pretty new at the time. And then it led me to the real estate investment club. So I went to San Diego investment club first and then invest club for women the following week. And invest club was definitely the catalyst. They had the 60 day challenge. They had Iris um, running the show and, and all of that 
was just absolutely everything that I needed to get me going. And that led me into learning about wholesaling. And then I realized that for my skill set, wholesaling was a really good opportunity. And that led me to wholesaling for about three to four years, um, full time, basically, while doing a day job as well. And then I picked off a few deals to keep for myself along the way. That's cool. Well, and for you listeners that don't know of the famous Iris Veneration, she's actually episode one on my podcast. She has a fantastic story and what an incredible inspiration and giver she is. You know, she loves to teach and help others. And she has a program that she runs about once a year now called the 60 day challenge. And it's like a very, the most intense real estate investing experience I've ever heard. Like if you don't do your homework, she kicks you out and she does kick people out of the the challenge. I've seen it. So yeah, so that's a really cool thing. So go back and listen to episode one if you want to learn more about Iris and, and her story. Yeah, but, the challenge was the foundation for it all. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, really cool opportunity. But it is an in-person thing. So if you don't live in Southern California, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Anyway, well, moving on. When you started wholesaling, did you do direct marketing? Were you sending out mailers? Were you networking? How did you get your deals? The first year I was trying to wholesale, I was very unsuccessful at it and I was trying to use pretty much every free method that there was you know, MLS uh, referral you know other people's deals things like that then I switched to more targeted marketing through direct mail and then that was how I got the majority of my deals that isn't how I get deals today but I also don't focus on wholesaling as much now so but direct mail will get you deals if you're willing to do it yeah so what, could you mind sharing with us how much you would spend to do that? And were you only focused in Southern California or were you focused at state? I've done it both areas, but the most success I've had has been in Southern California, but that's also because that's where my interest is. And so yeah. uh, I'd mail elsewhere and I've done deals elsewhere, but if I had a shiny object pop in front of me in San Diego, you know, in Southern California, I would pretty much ignore anything else there. And I've delegated off deals and done deals there in uh, Michigan, but still the shiny objects of San Diego keep bringing me back. Um, I would spend, you're probably going to spend about four to 5,000 a month on marketing if you want full-time income off of wholesaling. So because you're going to need about that to get a deal at a minimum consistently. And what would the four to 5,000 a month hopefully lead you to income wise? It could be anywhere from, you know, $5,000 wholesale to a, $50,000 wholesale. So oh. really no guessing there. Right. Well, why don't you tell us, like, tell us about your best wholesale deal ever. The, I'd say the best ever was a few years ago. Um, and it was just because it was a partnership and I made a business partner out of it and I made 18 grand and he made 30 grand and we did it over beers at a, like a hotel lobby at one of the local investment clubs. So that's probably my favorite. And honestly, it's not the money. It's the friendship that I got out of it. That is my favorite part. Um, but it was still the easiest. And then there's been a few others. There was one where I got a dog a home and that was really, uh, really fun too. Cause I loved the dog. I wanted to keep him, but I couldn't. And so that was my, probably my second favorite deal. I love that you said that because we got the sweetest, best dog ever from a house we bought to flip. Yeah. It was really, really cute dog. 
her name was Katie. We don't, we've given her away because you know, my daughter didn't want to take care of her anymore. But it was so funny. My husband walks in to the people that are to the house. The people are getting out. I think we bought it at an auction. So it was a knock, knock. We bought your house. You got to get out. And then Katie, who is, we call her a golden wiener because she's a golden retriever in the shape of a wiener dog. <laughs> it's so funny. And he's like, oh, what a nice dog because she's all over him and all nice. Like, you want her? Yes, we want her. It was so great because they raised pit bulls. And I guess Katie didn't fit in with the whole pit bull dynamic. So, yeah, you never know what you're going to get out of a house deal. That's funny. The dog thing. Well, what would you say? Can you remember, like, the most money you ever made on a wholesale deal? Uh, it's got to be approaching close to 40 grand. I would wow. Say. I love that because I've done plenty of flips that I haven't even done that well. And believe me, a flip is a lot more work than a wholesale deal. <laughs> my, my first flip, I did not make 40 grand. So, um, I, yeah, I'm aware of the, the work that goes into a rehab. Oh yeah. So what, um, why don't you tell us about the whole transition from you how you quit your job and was that scary or were you totally confident had you had so much success like, oh, no, I it was do terrifying this. it was Ooh. absolutely terrifying um i stayed too long i didn't have the confidence that some people have when it comes to the quitting of the job and uh the other part was my job was so it was just such an amazing setup that it was it was one of the hardest things to give up because it was basically almost six figures a year, a free car, free gas, free phone, free insurance. You didn't have a single expense. Um, I had kind of like 80, 20 ruled my dealers. And so no one called me unless it was a major problem and they were a big dog and everyone else, I just didn't care about them because I didn't care if I didn't get their business because I was making just as much money wholesaling. And so I basically just wanted the health insurance and the salary and the car and for my boss not to look bad because I, I did like my direct manager. And so I wanted to make sure that he didn't look bad. And, uh, but I should have left a long time sooner. It would have, you know, um, uh, I just wasn't challenging myself, but the nice thing is I left on good terms. I didn't take unemployment or anything like that. It was a, it was a clean break. And I, a few months later, I was terrified when, you know, the, you know, the deals weren't coming in as quickly as they used to. And I wasn't used to, some of the seasonal slumps that you can get in real estate when it comes to marketing for deals. You know, if you're on the 4th of July, for example, it just goes flat. Um, so yeah, I had my freak out, you know, you post on Facebook that you've done something, the world tells you that you're amazing. A month later you wake up, the direct deposit stopped and you're just, you know, like freaking out. But um, yeah, over time it got better. And the funny thing is, is now that I'm more well established, I actually set up the company so that I'm an employee and then I just get a direct deposit paycheck every two weeks. And I know that it's my money just going from one bank account to the other, but for whatever reason, that just makes me feel better. It makes me feel like a normal person who's just getting a paycheck every two weeks and it doesn't stress me out as much. And I actually take less money from the business. Then. Oh, that's smart because it's kind of like an allowance. Like, Oh, this is what I have to live off of. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just nice and simple. And, um, for me, I, I realized that it lifted a lot of stress that was just kind of there for no reason, basically, just because I was used to a certain structure. And then I was like, well, crap, I can just recreate that structure. And then it, for whatever reason, my mind just seems to be happy about it. So I don't find it. I love it. I mean, I keep hearing this theme of mindset coming through. I get, there's so much of this business that is about your mind, isn't it? It, it freaks me out sometimes. Um, <laughs> Like maybe I'm acutely aware of it because I've seen how it's affected me in 
good ways and bad ways over the years. Uh, but it blows my mind. I mean, like I can meet someone at a real estate meeting and I can tell them like a minute if they're going to do a deal in the next year. Like, Seriously? All right, maybe I'm exaggerating a little, <laughs> but I think that for the most part, you can tell because there's just a certain way a person is operating and you're like, okay, they're here. Like they are not messing around. And um, yeah, so I, I'll stand by that statement actually. I love that. And I know I've heard you offer to people, even publicly at clubs, hey, if you've got a deal, you know, bring it to me. You know, maybe we can, you know, do it together. Because obviously you've got a serious buyers list. You've been doing this business for many years. And yeah. probably when someone comes to you, whether they have a deal or not, you're sizing them up and assessing them like how good of a player they are, huh? I guess, I mean, part of me is because I, know, I have to, part of me wants to know if the deal's decent or if it's worth my time. And so I, I think, yeah, part of it is that is occurring. But on the other hand too, I, I had such a hard time when I got into this business that I think part of me is looking at them and I'm almost like looking at myself. And if I, if I see certain things there, then I want to see if I can kind of help like knock him in the right direction a little bit just because I, I tripped along the way so many times and uh, those little pieces of guidance can really help along the way. Uh, you know, this is a team sport. So I'd say for the most part, anything I say, it's because I want someone to succeed, even if it sounds a little harsh. Oh, I love it. And I, you hit the nail on the head there when you said this is a team sport. I mean, I think I was mentioning to you before we got on the call that I'm heading off to a mastermind lunch I don't know, I can't go. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very fortunate to be person having been you know, personally invited into this group of investors. It's really serious players. They're all very experienced. It's invite only. It's not, you know, kind of like some of these real estate clubs where there's lots of people, that are tired takers and check it out. But because I went to that, that I bought two deals last year at wow. 60, I'll say 65% of after repaired value, they're in LA. Like that's pretty much unheard of, but because I went to this group and it was a win-win, you know, the whole thing, this is a team sport. If you just hibernate in your office by yourself and try and do everything online and never talk to anyone, you are not gonna begin to have the success of someone that is willing to get out there and yeah. talk to people. I actually, I, I have a, a great person who comes to mind when you mention that just because there's a, a, a lady that contacted me I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was a while ago, and she was a local investor in San Diego, more passive, and they had cash, and they wanted to do deals, and they said, hey, you know, put us on your buyer's list. And I said, look, like, getting into this, you know, like, this is going to be tough. You should partner. I was like, you got the cash. Like, you've got something really good to bring to the table. You know, let someone else do the other work. And at first, they wouldn't listen, and a few months later, I was like, have you got a deal yet? And they're like, no, no, and I'm like about partnering and then I just saw them a few weeks ago and they're splitting a $180,000 check where they finally partnered with someone. Wow. And uh, I think they're doing like a flip slash development thing, but either way, I mean like it's a monster check and it was just so funny because we all have to check our egos at the door sometimes when it comes to this business. And it's so funny when we do that, how quickly, like, like it's almost just like we're like, we're in an inner tube floating downstream versus like trying to canoe upstream. And so, yes. Yeah. Just like you only have so much eyesight and hearing ability to yeah. have deals on your radar. So the more you can network out there. Okay. Which 
I wasn't going to mention this till the end, but it's like the perfect opportunity as far as I've got a Facebook group going now that's a private group and it is a great place for people to network, post a deal, sell deals, look for partners. Of course, I cannot bet the you know hundreds of people that are going to be in there. That's up to you to do, but go network on Facebook and Facebook groups. So mine is Hard Hat Holly's Real Estate Investing Team because this is a team sport. So go um, check that out. I do have to approve you. I don't just let anyone in. So if there's like fake bots and spammers, I'm not letting them in. So go join up in real estate groups and real estate Facebook groups and do some deals. Okay, Tim, I am very interested for you to share about your deal that you mentioned with the FHA 203k loan. Tell us about that deal. All right. I, I, it's funny. I like being asked about that one the most and it's probably the one that gets the least attention and it cracks me up because it is by far like the most profitable, like smart decision I've ever made in my life. And everyone just wants to hear about like a $10,000 wholesale check. Um, the, so I was, um, working in the corporate world. I knew I needed to get a loan to, you know, use up the loans before you quit. That's kind of what everyone tells you to do. And, you know, like in your like little blueprint to, firing your boss. And so I knew I wanted a, up to a four unit, you can get a loan on it like a normal single family house. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go for like, that's my personality. I was like, all right, like go for, let's just go the biggest. And I was really fortunate. Someone came to me with a, a lead and they said, Hey, I've got this four unit apartment. Um, I think we could wholesale it. And then I remember about a week prior, I'd actually kind of like sat down and made out my decisions. I was like, all right, I want a four unit apartment anywhere in San Diego County. And I want a house in Oceanside. And I, you know, it was very specific and instantly this pops up. Uh, the place was in terrible shape. There were people selling heroin out of it. Uh, one of the units was vacant, destroyed. Uh, and then I'd, I'd heard about this two or three K loan where basically the lender will give you money to repair the property. Uh, the catch is basically they're going to appraise it um, as if it was fixed up. So the amount that you borrow to buy it and to fix it is going to have to be less than the amount that they think it's worth once it's fixed. Cause they're not going to uh, jump on board to, uh, you know, uh, a proposition that loses money. So you've really got to find a good deal. And then also these loans are notorious for just being a massive pain in the ass. And so convincing anybody to taking on a buyer like this is basically like saying, Hey, we're going to make your life difficult for two months. <laughs> yeah. Feel like doing it. But the seller was dead set on a number and it was probably about 20 grand higher than any cash investor would buy in San Diego at the time. Mm -hmm. And they didn't seem to care about the timeline. The other catch was you had to take the drug dealers with the property. So a lot of the cash investors such as yourself at the time, like that's a, that's a proposition in 2013 that most people weren't willing to take on without a big, cushion. Uh, now maybe today they would, but back then we had more freedom and more availability of deals. So for the little guy, this was the perfect window to get in because I could take on the risks that the other people weren't willing to take on. And I could convince the seller to take this loan. And what was really fortunate was the real estate agent. It was a pocket listing. Um, the agent actually knew somebody that I just wholesaled a really big deal to. So um, that was enough for me to convince them that I was a player, even though I barely knew what I was doing and I just barely gotten that wholesale through um you know like to the exterior it looked like I was this guy that had everything figured out so it was perfect and for $15,000 down which is basically a wholesale fee back in 2013 I got a four unit apartment building and uh it rented for about 
3,600 a unit at the time and it was pretty trashed. It's probably had about 45,000 in repairs, 50,000. All the units are all done perfectly now. And uh, I just did the math actually today. It's going to rent every unit total is 4,700 a month in income. So it makes me about $1,000 a month. And I've gained about $350,000 worth of equity. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. $15,000 investment. Um, so I, 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 like I, I kind of have to pinch myself sometimes with that place. I mean, I, I, it blows my mind just how well that went. And, uh, it was, the property was bought, right. And I, and I just went through it well, but, uh, yeah, I, I love being a landlord. I'm really proud of that purchase. So, so what did you purchase it for then? I bought it for 322. Okay. And this is a 3,600 square foot, you know, eight bedrooms, four bath, two on two, you know, just a, a rectangle. Uh, it appraised at just over 700, uh, recently. And I mean, yeah, I, a, a single family household for 300 next door to it like a year later. And that was what I paid for the whole place. It was just nuts. It was just, it was such a crap hole, but it had the best bones. Um, I nearly got assaulted the first time I was there. It was, I mean, it was a rough, rough property, but so what do you do with the drug dealers? Did you offer to um, let them continue their enterprise just for a cut or, you know, what do you do there? Uh, day one, I cut down a tree in front of their unit so that there was full visibility of the property um, while drinking a beer at like seven in the morning. So I kind of <laughs> made, I, I really wanted to convey to them that like, this guy is nuts. Like this guy is not worth the hassle. Uh, then I basically, cause if you buy a property, uh, you know, like I have no proof that they destroyed the unit. So like, you know, their deposit is technically theirs. And luckily for me, they didn't know that. So I just said, Hey, you know, if you don't like it here, why are you here? And they said, Oh, well, you know, we're not gonna get our deposit. And I said, well, how about this? If you leave in 14 days, you get your deposit back. If you leave in 15, you don't. And they were gone on like day 11. And the sheriff's department was actually about to raid them. They called me the day prior and said, uh, get a locksmith ready. And, uh, I just said, well, they might leave on their own accord. And, you know, they're like, well, we'll see. And I'm like, yeah, we will see because I'd rather not replace the door. And so uh, $1,000 and they were gone 11 days. And then the, obviously the biggest threat to the whole property was now gone. And it took about a year, you know, of like decent security lights and, you know, very, you know, kind of uh, consistent visits to make sure that that element was truly gone. But after that, it's... I mean, it's the most quiet property ever now. It's just so peaceful. So uh, That's yeah, nice. Did you experience, like me personally, when I started landlording, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't really consider Googling, you know, tips for landlords or anything. My husband would just like, sometimes he would knock on a door after we bought a house at auction and the people would say, can we please stay? We'll pay this much for rent. He's like, okay, that's good. Okay. We got a rental. Like it was accidental yeah. rentals. Then he'd let, like you let this one lady get seven months behind. So I learned by trial and error a lot. And then one time I found this um, course in his office, like how to do rentals by Mike Cantu. Like yourself, like, I'm like, why don't you tell me you had some help for me? Cause you know, I'm like, what was your experience being a landlord? Did you get any education or did you just jump in like me and try and figure it out as you went? <laughs> Well, it's funny, like the, you know, like I, I feel like I'm 34 now. And so I can definitely feel like kind of a, a maturity turning point right now. And I can see where I was definitely too accommodating to my tenants uh, in the past, but I think it was in a very good proactive way. And it was, it was minor in the ways that it had affected me. Uh, 
but I'm, I, I'm very good with my money. And I, I did what they call house hacking, like in my early twenties where I would rent a house and then rent rooms out to people. And so that gave me a really good experience. I'm probably one of the best people there is at screening tenants because I was screening people to live with me for years. Mm-hmm. And that's even more uh, of an effort than it is for, you know, just a unit. But the very first group of tenants, I, I had two units to fill and both of them were, you know, weren't that great attendance. And the first ones that I got out within a year, because they were a massive pain to the other tenants. And so, yeah, it was definitely a, a bit trial and error. Um, it, it, you just, you cannot be like a friend to your tenants and you have to just follow such strict guidelines. And it's, it's so like no brainer. And if you're not following it, it's, it's because of a, you know, like you don't want to be mean to people or, you know, you don't like just, you know, like it's, it's, that's the, a good trick is create a, um, mystery partner and they are the bad cop oh i love that and then yeah so like hey you can say, have oh. a dog nope sorry my partner said no dogs so i'm like hey can we just nope my partner is a you know he's a, he's a mean person doesn't like dogs <laughs> or, you know sorry the rent's got to go up and i think setting expectations is good too like for example new tenants now i tell them the rent's going to go up three percent every year like at a minimum it's going up three percent and um you know, it's not going to get some crazy number. I'm not going to bump it 10%, but expect it 3%. If there's an issue with the unit, I want to fix it. You know, don't do this whole, we're not calling you because we're afraid he's going to be mad or, you know, uh, and I've, you know, the proactiveness is how you make a property just so seamless. Like my place, it just, it, it's just so, such a well-operated machine and it's just having that systems and the structures in place. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. We had some tenants once. They had a sink dripping and it went so far that it uh, rotted out the whole cabinet, the subfloor, everything. Yeah. And like, we didn't want to call because we didn't want you to raise the rent. Like, hey, you just cost me like a thousand bucks. Now exactly. I'm going to raise the rent. Now, you know, I mean, it wasn't like that. I told but. them all, like, water is my like arch nemesis. I was like, if it's anything else, like, you can wait till a normal hour, but if it's water, like, you need to let me know right away. And I, I've even like let them know where the water shutoff is There's a, on the outside of the building because. I've had an issue where I was in Taiwan and a shower started just shooting water straight out. And it was the night before Thanksgiving. I nearly lost my mind. Like it was the worst landlording experience of my life. Like, but it got solved. That was the funny part was it got solved. So it was a lesson that the worst thing can possibly happen and it still works out. And so just chill. Okay. Well, next time you're in Taiwan, message me on Facebook and I'll help you out with your plumbing things. Cause you know, I have to say thanks again for, um, keeping an eye on my flip in Oceanside and watching oh, yeah, for the people that, that. Yeah. people that would move in, the squatters. That was an interesting neighborhood over there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay, now that you mentioned Taiwan, you opened the door there. I think you have done some amazing adventures and trips and travels in your life. So tell us where you've been able to go because of this business. Sure. Well, and, and that was the main reason for the business for me was the flexibility. I really felt like I kind of missed out in my early 20s you know, and like, didn't have a lot of fun. And so as an adult, I was like, okay, I need to travel more, do more. And um, I've been to Cuba, I've been to Australia, um, all over Mexico, Central America. I'm originally from England. So um, I grew up there until I was 11, been all around there. Um, I'm going to India in January to do a thing called the rickshaw run, where you drive a tuk-tuk, which is a seven horsepower, like taxi. And uh, a friend of and me are driving at 3,000 kilometers across the entire length of India. Oh my gosh, I've never heard of such a thing. You're like the most adventurous dude. I love seeing like the occasional Facebook posts and you're like ziplining through a jungle and like all this amazing stuff. That is so cool. I think it's fun to challenge. I mean, well, real estate investing is a way of challenging yourself. I'm sure that's, you know, one of the reasons why you, you know, even this podcast. And so it's, 
you know, challenging yourself in your career and, you know, in your relationships and, you know, physically. And, and for me, that's the fun of it is, you know, trying out that different stuff. And sometimes it's nice just to sit on your butt at home too. So I'm, I'm not always like, you know, like planning everywhere. So. Okay. Yeah. And that leads me into the next question is kind of like, what are you doing now? What are you focusing on now? What's, uh, what's the future got in store for you? Are you wholesaling, flipping, landlording, all the above? What's your plan now? I'm still wholesaling, but I've shifted my model to more inbound marketing. So I want the leads where there's a, a pretty high chance that they want to sell a house. And I know there's going to be fewer of those, but I realized that it was, it's really labor intensive to chase leads. And um, I tend to do better with like the really, with, like the really, really good ones. And since I'm flipping now, you need less deals to be successful. And I've realized I'm a pretty good flipper. So uh, for me, it's cherry pick a few, wholesale a few if they come through. But honestly, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not that person that wants to make a fortune. I just need enough to you know cover what I need covered. And then I would like to go work on some other stuff. So I might check out after this deal's done and go learn some more Spanish or something. Cool. So you're sounding a little Tim Ferriss for our work we get there. <laughs> Well, it's funny. I, it, I really am starting to think that we put up barriers to stop ourselves from getting the things that we want. Because I started doing the math. And if I were to sell my fourplex or move that money to another state, I'd have the money to live on. So I'm already not doing that for some reason, which I have to figure out. But I can Airbnb my house and go live somewhere else. And I could, I've done the math, like it's affordable, you know. So I, I'm kind of wondering how many people, if really given the opportunity to do like that 10000 a month that everyone says they want, would they really stop working? And what would they really do? Because I'm having to think about that right now, and I have no clue what I want. <laughs> I know, and you're so young. You're like, okay, what next? But I, hey. I mean, I, I live very simple, though. I mean, so like, I don't ever think I'm like it. That to me is the trick: is to keep it really lean, and then you don't have to make a ton of money, and you don't have to be a slave to the dollar. If you, you know, being wise with your money, and, and I'm also fortunate. I'm single right now. You know, if I had a family, I would obviously my mindset would be a lot different. So, yeah, I gotta tell you, it was like. Uh, which I, what's the right description? Shock when my then 16 year old walked up to me six months ago and goes, mom, I think with my track stats and what, what I looked up online, I think I could get into Stanford. I think I want to go to Stanford. I'm like, oh. <laughs> there's a quarter million dollars I wasn't planning on. Oops. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I paid for all of my college education except for about $10,000. And I, I've got to say, I think that's one of the things that shaped me into being able to do what I do right now. And so I'm not saying that people shouldn't pay for their kids college, but um, I think it really helped me. Um, you know, I don't think I would have nearly what I have now if, if it was handed to me. I agree. I'm going to share that with Max. Okay. Um. <laughs> well, there's like, like a creative middle ground. Maybe I'm the extreme, you know, of the one side. And so maybe there's like a, a nice, a nice middle ground. And I'm sure there is. And that probably would, create the best balance oh yeah okay i got one more real estate question then we'll be wrapping up what does inbound leads mean in the wholesaling world what does that mean okay so an, an inbound lead to me and maybe i'm i was in the shower when that this came out so maybe i'm calling it the wrong thing even but it basically means like it's a to me it's a web lead or a hot lead so it's someone who has sought me out found me and is now contacting me about buying their property so i haven't sent them any marketing i haven't contacted them uh, they've researched it and found me. So they, that type of lead tends to have high interest. To me, there's almost like a nine out of 10 chance they're going to sell that house. It just 
might not be a fixer. So it could quite often, honestly, it's a, it's a retail listing and it's just this wacky owner who thinks that if they find a buyer, um, you know, they'll save on commission. And I basically two seconds like, no, but occasionally it's, uh, someone who's basically done the math, you know, and they're saying, yeah, okay. Between commissions and fixing, maybe a cash buyer is a better route. And they're saying, Hey, why don't we see if we can find one? And then the beauty of the internet is it circumvents the real estate agent. And so not always, but sometimes you can get a, a deal off of it. And, uh, the, I really like those types of deals. So I'm going to focus on those for now. So you're doing pay-per-click. Are you doing Facebook? Oh, organic. So SEO only. Okay. Very cool. So I've heard of people having success with pay-per-click and Facebook ads, but I know pay-per-click is so pricey. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of scared to go into that because I don't know what I'm doing, but I am, you know, considering that. Well, the nice thing about pay-per-click is that you could change your region with the click of a button and, um, but the downfall of pay-per-click is if you don't understand it, it is just going to siphon money from you. And ethically, I have a problem with pay-per-click because Google benefits from malicious clicks by your competitors. So they don't have any interest in protecting you. And so as a consumer who's paying for a service, I don't feel like I'm being represented or protected by Google. Um, but people do get deals off of it. I think in a, in a, in a, like a sub-market, like a different market, I think it would be a great thing to test out but i think in southern california it's 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 just such a big messy market with those keywords that it, you probably wouldn't get a good grip of it and you just lose a couple grand mm. well thank you for that advice i appreciate it but it's oh. great for testing a submarket too because you can like, oh, let's throw a thousand dollars to this city and see what happens and you're not really that worried and because california marketing money is like big marketing money in any other market yeah that's, that's for sure if you kind of shift and look anywhere else Hey, um, if you're looking to connect with anyone since um, this podcast is nationwide, where would you want someone to, um, who are some people that you might want to connect with, like what states? Um, if I'm doing deals, probably going to be in North Carolina or Michigan, or if it's anything to do with a mobile home park, I would just say anywhere, contact me. Oh, you're into mobile home parks. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Well, it's my ultimate goal, and that's... I mean, the thought has always been, should I trade my fourplex, you know, towards a good mobile home park? But, and I've been looking for some off-market ones, and I've started to hone my craft at searching for them, um, but I haven't quite mastered it. But that's one of the other things with this free time is I wanted some free time so I could step away from the grind and then figure out what it is that I want because I felt like I was on autopilot. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Time for a new challenge. You're going to go be like the master of the mobile home park. <laughs> well, the, it's just interesting. It's the difference between being a farmer and a hunter. And a farmer, you know, is growing their crop. And that's the rental to me. And the hunter is the flips of the wholesales. Love it. Okay. So as we wrap up here, what's your best advice for someone who's considering jumping into real estate investing or who's new and starting out? What's your best advice for them? Um, oh man, there's like so much, I would say, make sure that you're kind to yourself in the process because uh, sometimes folks get into this and there's an assumption that it needs to be hard or that it has to be this grind and you need to, you know, I'd say it, it should be a really fun journey and it's really interesting. So I would say, you know, enter it with enthusiasm and, um, looking back now, I realize I definitely made it at times a lot harder than it needed to be. So I would kind of just say like, you know, just enjoy the ride, like take it seriously, but don't be hard on yourself. Or as we say in Southern California, chill, chill, chill. out, right? Chill out. <laughs> okay. Now, 
Tim has like a really nice little freebie that he's um, offering up for this episode. So go to hardhatholly.com forward slash 53. We're episode 53. And Tim, tell him what you're going to offer your um, contract and agreement thing. Sure. Um, I seem to get emailed all the time about wholesale contracts and assignment contracts. So I took one that I've used for years and just entered in blank information where it needs to be entered. And it's now available in a Word document that's editable. So someone wants to try and wholesale or assign in California. Um, I can't speak on if it's legally valid or if it works or not, and it's more as an example, but yes. uh, it's a pretty good example to base things off of. So that will be available for folks to download. Awesome. Yes. Consult your lawyer. Neither Tim nor I are lawyers, and right. I'm sure it would work great in other states too after your lawyer reviews it. So yeah, there you go. And for people that want to get in touch with you, um, what's the best way for them to do that? I would say probably my website, which is gordonbuyshomes.com. I don't go on Facebook too often. Uh, you can email me directly via my website and all the phones reach me at some point or another. So I would just say go direct to the website. Awesome. Yeah. And I know Tim has in the past been a great networker and connector. If you're a wholesaler with a deal and you don't have a list of buyers, he'd probably help you out with that if you're in Southern California. Too, yeah. Right? If anyone's got a deal, even if they just want a piece of advice, I'm happy to assist. I try and avoid advice on hypothetical deals, but real deals, I'll give advice. Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Tim. This has been very inspirational, exciting. And boy, I can't wait to hear about the adventures in India when those go down. Cool. I'm really nervous. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, get out there and take some action. Um, listeners, get out there and do it because obviously this is a doable business. Thank you, yeah. Tim. Thank you. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com, on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.